Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, Ring Central makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at ringcentral.com. Ring Central, simpler communications. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. On the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And welcome back to the show, MD Nation. You are listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network, WWSRN. Also presented to you by Belly Up Sports. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater, And we've made it to the second round of the Fantasy Football Playoffs here on our way to our championship pathways for all of you here at MD Nation. Of course, we have a lot we have to go over, a lot of our fancy expectations. It is do or die, swish around the eight ball, see what comes out, make sure you don't pick the right pick. That's all it pretty much is. Like, please just let me make the right roster lineup decision. Because if you choose wrong, even if it's just one wrong player, it could cost you on a way to the championship. And I'm not here to tell you that I have the exacto crystal ball that will definitely pave the way to playing all of the right players from your lineup. But what I can tell you is that we will bring a logical, analytical approach to every single decision, every single fantasy expectation that we have for you guys here today, along with keeping you up to date with the injury news and how that affects all the players surrounding you. So you've come to the right place to get all the best information that you possibly can to make the best decisions that you possibly can. If you make the best decisions in fantasy football that you can with the information that you have available to you, that's all you can do. If you happen to pick the wrong player, even though it seemed logically at the time throughout the week that it was the right decision, you can't be mad at yourself. And please don't be mad at me. I don't want to get those ads at Twitter either. <laughs> Trust me. When I... When you guys ask me a question and I try to give you the best advice that I possibly can, that's exactly what I'm doing. I am giving you the best advice that I possibly can based on what statistical data is out there, what the matchups are, what the player's injury status is, what my eye, my football trained eye in the sky is telling me what I'm seeing out there, how I think the matchup can go. I'm using all of those variables when I do my projections on bellyupfantasysports.com for the rankings. I'm doing all those variables when I'm answering your questions for the mailbag at bellyupmdffshow on Twitter and on social media. I'm using all of those variables to give you the best sound advice that I can because I want you to win, believe it or not, almost. I can't say I can as much because it's not my team, it's your team, but almost as much as I want to win in my own leagues. 
I want to be able to be helpful to you, a tool to you to help you get to that pathway. That's why you got to hit me up on social media at Belly MDF Show. You have to follow us on Twitter for those player news update notifications that are coming out 24-7. Because we have a lot of information that came out today. We have, again, this week in COVID news that we have for you guys here today, kicking it off with Jason Garrett and the Giants. Jason Garrett testing positive for coronavirus. And if you didn't know, because we haven't had too many of these situations, actually, when a coach tests positive, they have a much stricter quarantine process that they have to follow than the players out there. Jason Garrett can't be around the team facility for the next 10 days, meaning he's definitely going to miss this game for the New York Giants. It means Freddie Kitchens, that's right, Freddie Kitchens is going to be the play caller for the New York Giants this week. If it wasn't already bad enough that Daniel Jones just displayed last week that he has no quarterback ability whatsoever when he doesn't have use of his legs, now you're going to have Freddie Kitchens calling the plays, which might be the only other coordinator besides Adam Gase who's actually worse than Jason Garrett calling football plays out there. But we have all that to dive into and more. Of course, today's show is about the early Week 15 matchup previews. We had a couple Saturday games. We've got the Thursday night game tonight. Of course, we still have the early window of games on Sunday afternoon. Of course, tomorrow we'll be back to recap tonight's game. Talk about the injury updates that we go over in these matchups today and preview the late window of matchups for you guys in Week 15. And hopefully, you'll be back here with us on Monday for the full recap of week 15 because you're moving on into week 16 for your championships hopefully and even if you're not hopefully you enjoy this show enough that you'll check it out anyway and of course as we go through these players we give you little dfs tips and stuff like that so it'll help you guys kind of win some money if you're if you find yourself in that situation because that's for me if I, I get knocked out in a league i mean usually i'm in a league somewhere that with the amount that i'm in you know you're going to be in the championship somewhere but I like to play DFS. Week 17 is a good example. I have no week leagues where I'm going to be playing in week 17. So I'll be playing DFS in those weeks. And don't worry. Again, you amateur hour leagues out there who actually play in the week 17 to decide your championships was the most crazy thing to me in the world. We'll still have a full week of shows for you that week. And that'll be the last week. I want to talk about this a little bit too before we actually jump into the show. That'll be the last week of shows. And then we, usually what happens, we'll go on a hiatus until about March and then we'll talk about the fantasy impact of the free agent signings. We'll talk about some rookies that we really like from a dynasty and a redraft perspective. We'll do our team profiles. We'll start calling in beat writers from all around the country, from every team, and interview them and talk about their teams upcoming and what they're seeing out there. And hopefully what we'll have is OTAs this year. What's coming on the inside of the, of the game, of the inside of the team. And we'll do one episode a week until about mid-late July. Then we'll open it up to two a week. And then we'll be back to four a week before you know it, come next September, come 2021, which let's all keep fingers, toes crossed. That is a much better year than 2020 in every aspect. So that's what you got looking forward to as far as the show goes coming down the pipe. But let's get into what we need to talk about today. Let's talk about these week 15 matchups. Because there's a lot of roster decisions being made. There's a lot of guys that you thought you were going to be depending on throughout the rest of the season. And all of a sudden, they've hit his cold streak in the worst possible moment. And now you're left to question whether or not you want to play these guys. And in this instance, I'm talking about Justin Herbert. Got the Chargers and the Raiders tonight. Justin Herbert was somebody who was looked at as a top five quarterback in fantasy football on a nearly weekly basis. And now all of a sudden, because the cold streak that he snapped, I've gotten a ton of questions this week 
on whether to start Justin Herbert or someone like a Taysom Hill. So we're going to talk about that game and much more, but Herbert's sake, I have him at QB 13, meaning he is not a must start for me. Now he's in that top, what we would call streamer territory, but Herbert hasn't been a streamer this year. He's been a guy that you've depended upon. And it's a great matchup on paper, but here's the problem. He had a great matchup on paper against the Atlanta Falcons. Didn't do as much as I expected him to. That was the last time that I'm going to have him ranked inside the top five was against the Atlanta Falcons after disappointing there. Now, I know the Falcons' defense has been playing a little bit better as of late, but still. It's still not a defense they shouldn't be able to throw the ball on. He hasn't been as aggressive throwing the football, especially down the field, since Austin Eckler has returned. It's as if Eckler came back into the game plan and they said, you know what? Instead of taking those shots downfield that was really opening up the offense and making us explosive and making you look really good in the process, we got to make sure you check the ball down to Eckler at least double-digit times, it seems like, because Eckler's accumulating as many targets as Keenan Allen is. And while Eckler is a weapon and while he needs to be involved in the passing game, there's no doubt about that, it can't come at the cost of taking away the explosive factor, the down-the-field throws of the offense. And let's factor that all into tonight's game where you have Keenan Allen and Mike Williams who are going to be true game-time decisions. And even if they play, they're talking about Keenan Allen possibly being limited. Now, as far as Keenan Allen himself goes, as I fielded a couple questions this morning on this too, if Allen suits up against the Raiders, you have to play him. Because even an Allen who's at 75% is still a high-end wide receiver too in this matchup against the Raiders because he's still going to be dependent upon as far as the number one target the number one wide receiver target for Justin Herbert throughout this game and it's still a good matchup you're gonna have to go to him he's gonna get close to double digit targets regardless of the status of his hamstring as long as he's able to stay out there on the field and from what I understand that had this been a regular game where a regular Sunday to Sunday game they would expected Allen to be okay come this Sunday obviously because he's playing on Thursday but they're more of the note was more of the point was that it's not something serious He's just sore. He's just a bit banged up at the moment. He's not going to be 100% himself. So that, that's kind of the issue. But so as far as Keenan Allen goes, you fire him up. I still have him. He can still finish as a wide receiver one in this week's matchup. Now, but where does that relate to Justin Herbert? Well, the down-the-field throws aren't going to be there. Mike Williams, I think, has, is a long shot to play in my estimation. They really didn't think he was even going to have a chance to play when his week started out. Now it seems like he's recovered enough to the point to at least make it a game-time decision. But even if he does, Herbert has not been throwing the ball down the field since they brought Austin Eckler back into the vault. If you're not going to take shots against the Raiders, what kind of ceiling do you have? Because he hasn't been running either. There hasn't been that base 20, 30 rushing yards that he was getting to kind of boost his floor every single week to go along with it. Why he stopped running, that part I don't understand. Again, that could have something to do with checking the ball down to Eckler as well. Why run when you can throw the ball three yards out to your running back here? But he's got to start running. He's got to start moving his legs. Now, here's what I will say. If he has a busted up Keenan Allen and a busted up Mike Williams, or if he doesn't have them at all, I think he will be forced in more situations to use his legs to move the chains tonight. I think there's a chance we see his scrambling ability tonight. But that's too much of a risk heading into your Week 15 fantasy playoff matchups. And while I want nothing more than to play the guy that you've been leaning on to this point against the Raiders, if you have other options like a Taysom Hill, I'm looking to go that way. If you have other options like a Ryan Tannehill, I'm looking to go that way. 
Depends what you have out there. He's still QB 13, so it's going to depend on what's available to you, but he's not a must-start. Now, Eckler, we talked a lot about him screwing up the offense or at least screwing it up for Justin Herbert. He and himself, I have him as a top-five running back this week. I mean, we just talked about it with Allen and Mike Williams and not knowing the exact status of them. The only person I know for sure is going to be healthy going into this game is Austin Eckler. The only person I know for sure is going to get double-digit targets in this game is going to Austin Eckler. The only person I know for sure is going to get 15 carries, at least in this game, is Austin Eckler playing against the Raiders. Don't really think you have to dissect it more than that. So Austin Eckler is a must-play in this one. Hunter Henry, I like him a lot. Again, it goes back to the injuries at the wide receiver position. He's already somebody who has carved out five to seven targets a game for himself anyway, and he's been targeted more so in the red zone. There's no Mike Williams. Hunter Henry will get leaned on when they're in scoring position. So I do like Hunter Henry a lot. He comes in a tight end 13 for me this week. I think that could even be too low. I might have to boost him up before this game starts into the top 12 because he could be looking at a tight end one performance. So I do like Hunter Henry quite a bit here in this matchup if you have him. Let's move to the Raiders side of the ball. They have some issues in their own right, right? They've had some COVID-19 issues. Henry Ruggs, Brian Edwards, both not going to play in this game. In a way, that really helps a guy like a Nelson Aguilar because in this offense, there's not always a ton of targets for the wide receivers. Because Darren Waller is the number one pass catcher of this team and he gobbles up so much of the attention on the offense, it's kind of hit or miss exactly if there's going to be a lot of volume there for the wide receivers because it could also be a game where we've seen Nelson Aguilar or Hunter Hent Renfro really gobble up the targets. But we've also seen games where Derek Carr spread it out pretty evenly amongst the wide receivers when they're all healthy and active, and then Darren Waller's the lead pass catcher. Well, you take Hunter Renfro and Brian Edwards out of the picture completely right off the bat, then all of a sudden, you have nothing but Nelson Aguilar and Hunter Renfro left. Now, this isn't a good matchup. I know the Chargers' defense has been inconsistent, especially in the secondary, but for the most part this season... Casey Hayward's been pretty good against number one wide receivers. I know Calvin really just had a good game last week, but for the most part, they've been pretty good against number one wide receivers. And Chris Harris is back against Hunter Renfro. So the only guy to me that has a mismatch here is Darren Waller. Now, if the Chargers decide that they want to go ahead and stick a Chris Harris on a Darren Waller in some situations, which they might, then Hunter Renfro would actually be the guy with the mismatch in that situation. But it's Casey Hayward's going to stay with Nelson Aguilar. Not that Aguilar can't still have a good game because he still might actually be looking at more volume this particular week than he normally would. And over the past month, he's had a pretty good stretch. He's had a stretch of six, five, four, six catches or five catches last week. He's been targeted pretty consistently over the last month. He's had a little bit more of a floor where in the beginning of the season, he was purely a boomer bust option. Now he's got a little bit of a floor that you can kind of sink your teeth into. I got him at wide receiver 25, so I have him as a top-end wide receiver three heading into the week. And that's because of the targets that he could be seeing. He easily could look at eight targets plus in this game. And he's played very well. He's coming off a 100-yard touchdown performance from this past Sunday. And now with Ruggs out of the picture for this week, you know for sure that when they go to take a shot, it's going to be Nelson Aguilar in this one. So he has a boom potential heading into this matchup. So he's interesting in that flex position, that third receiver position, depending upon what your options are. I think he's a legitimate play. There's still a low floor because of the matchup. The Chargers secondary comes to play. There's still a low floor when it comes to Nelson Aguilar. And I don't know if there's a worse feeling in the world as a fantasy football player than when you 
go out on a limb for a guy who's a boomer bust and he busts for you on Thursday night, the entire rest of the weekend, all you feel like is that you're just having this inevitable doom cloud just drifting over your head because you feel like you have no shot to win because you already blew your nut on Thursday night. Now, I've seen teams come back time and time again, and that one player on that Thursday night game doesn't wind up sinking their entire matchup, but it gives you that feeling until Sunday, basically, that things might be over for you because that player busted out. And it's hard to have that feeling when you're in the playoffs. Again, not going to be a deciding factor in who I play in my lineup because we're going to try to play the best players in the best situations that we possibly can available to us. But just a note, as a fantasy player, I understand that pain of that guy busting out on Thursday and what that does to the rest of your weekend. Now, this week, like we said, we got a couple Saturday games, so maybe you got some guys in there that can kind of rebound you back a little bit quicker than you normally would. But still, Aguilar kind of fits that mold. He's still a boomer bust guy, but with a higher floor than what he necessarily had earlier on the season. So he's an option, depending on what you have. Darren Waller, of course, you know, he's my tight end two in the week. He's going to be the top three tight ends every single week. You're good with Darren Waller. The other guy we got to talk about is Josh Jacobs. He comes in at RB11 for me. Again, when we talk about rankings, if you're new to the show, we talk about it from a half-point PPR standpoint. And you can always check out these rankings for full point, half point, or standard on BillyFantasySports.com under the rankings and go to search weekly rankings by Dan Mater. These are all options. Now, Josh Jacobs at RB11, he didn't look great Sunday, but he didn't look bad either. He looked like maybe he was a few more days away from getting back to his explosiveness. Here's the good news for the Raiders that their offensive line with Trent Brown finally being off the COVID list is back intact. That was the first week for Trent Brown being back. I think a couple days later, they'll be a little bit better, a little bit more in shape, a little bit more over the illness. Kind of getting back acclimated again. I know it's a short week. You would have liked to see it be a full week to really get the full grasp of that, but The Chargers have been good matchups for running backs, especially as of late. They've been very inconsistent in that area. And this Raiders offensive line is going to be back in its second game together in a while. I think Josh Jacobs should, should at least have the opportunity to score a touchdown in this game. I think he'll be leaned on more heavily in this game as well. I think the Raiders are looking to get back to that. Remember last week, they're playing against the Indianapolis Colts, which have been very tough matchup for running backs all throughout the all throughout the year. And he still only wound up with 13 carries because the game script got out of hand for the Raiders, especially in the second half. I expect this game tonight to be within a score one way or another for the majority of the night, meaning it should stay pro game script for Josh Jacobs all throughout. And the one good thing that you take out of last week is that Jacobs was targeted, I believe, five times last week. So he got involved in the passing game aspect as well. I feel good about Jacobs making a return to his low-end RB1 value heading into this matchup. I'm not streaming Derek Carr. I don't think I have to go any further than that. It's too much of a hit-or-miss project here. If he hits, great, but I'm not taking the chance in there. I don't even have him inside my top 18, which means he's not a streaming quarterback in my mind. Let's move on. Let's talk about our first Saturday matchup, which is going to be the Buffalo Bills and the Denver Broncos. Josh Allen, even though from a fantasy perspective, didn't light up the scoreboard last week against the Pittsburgh Steelers, he's back to playing football the way he was earlier on the season. We had that little stretch there where maybe he wasn't 100% healthy, where he started to look like the Josh Allen of 
old. He's starting to look at the Josh Allen of last year, not playing very efficient quarterbacking. But even though he didn't light up the scoreboard against the Steelers the way he did against the 49ers the week before, the demeanor, the control, the ball placement, all those things that you saw Allen catapult himself into a top three quarterback over were all there. He played well, plain and simple. You're going up against the Denver Broncos, which are on their backup backups of their cornerback positions. Stephon Diggs has been open all season long for Josh Allen. He'll have a good opportunity to use his legs in this game. Josh Allen's a top four quarterback. Like Again, we don't spend a lot of time on him because you're definitely going to start him anyway. But just to make sure we emphasize the confidence that we have in him. Devin Singletary, Zach Moss, not playing him. I have him just outside the RB3 territory. I don't know at this point why you would. And at this point in the season, unless one of them gets hurt in this game, I don't know why you own them. They were worth a value stash throughout the year, waiting to see if one of them would take over, one of them would get injured. But now that we're in week 15, and I would say about 80% of the leagues out there are going to have their championship next week. When are you going to be playing a Zach Moss or a Devin Singletary? There's no reason to own these guys. So we don't care about the running backfield unless something were to drastically change heading into week 16. And in which case we would talk about that in next week's shows. Stephon Diggs obviously must play. Obviously wide receiver one. I don't know if there's been a receiver this year who's had a higher floor than a Stephon Diggs all season long. Number one, he's been healthy all season long. Number two, he's gotten more targets than I think almost anybody in the year because every single week this guy is getting eight to double-digit targets and plus, and he's been getting you know seven to nine-plus receptions with 70 to 90 to 100 to plus whatever yardage. I mean, he's been an incredible player all year long. While he hasn't had those big Stephon digs, I win you the week by myself, he hasn't had too many of those this year. He's still gotten you more than what you bargained for when you drafted him because he's been more consistent than anyone would imagine him being with Josh Allen at the quarterback position. And again, against Denver, backup, backup corners, Stephon Diggs should have a great game. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a world. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Shopify presents cool sheets from aha to lying awake while you bake isn't cool. I suffered from the wrong kind of hot in bed, heat-induced insomnia. That was my aha moment. Bed sheets that keep you cool. Then I thought, how do I even sell bed sheets? That's when I had the idea that made it all possible. Signing up on Shopify. With the help of Shopify's intuitive online store creator, I started selling sustainable bamboo sheets that keep cool year-round. 
and my cool idea became a reality. Hot sleepers around the world rejoice. Shopify makes it simple to keep your cool while starting and growing your business. Start selling with Shopify today and join the commerce platform powering millions of businesses worldwide. From aha to anything is possible. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free 22. Shopify.com slash free 22. That's all you're going to play from the Buffalo Bills standpoint, unless you're streaming the defense. I do like the defense too. I want to add them in there. I uh, talked about this in the recap show when they played against the Steelers. This defense, even leading up into that game, I talked about how this defense is healthy now. With Milano back in the lineup, this Buffalo Bills defense is starting to reflect what we saw out of them a year ago. So they're a top defense going into this week against Drew Locke and the Denver Broncos, a highly turnover-prone offense as a result. So let's talk about the Denver Broncos side of things. Melvin Gordon's a little banged up. From what I understand, he did not practice yesterday, but also from what I understand, it was a practice estimation. The Broncos didn't actually have practice yesterday. Kind of wanted to give the guys an extra day off with them having the game on Saturday. So we'll hear more today, probably later on to West Coast team. So we'll hear it later on today. The expectation right now is that Melvin Gordon will wind up playing in this game. So it was a little bit interesting to me because I wanted to see, you know, will Philip Lindsay suddenly become a factor if Melvin Gordon doesn't play? But it sounds like, it sounds like Melvin Gordon's going to play. That's what it sounds like. So, where does that all fall in if that's going to wind up being the case? Well, Melvin Gordon, we have him in RB18. It's not a great matchup against Buffalo, but Gordon's been running well lately. And this, this injury that he has is a shoulder injury, so it's not going to affect his explosiveness. How physical he wants to be, I think, is going to be a big pain tolerance issue. How much does he want to put his head down and try to pick up that extra yard, preferring other than you know, going out of bounds and kind of saving the hit. That part might change in this game. But he's been running like a man who's on fire. We know he's going to get catches out of the backfield. He's been getting about five targets a game or so, which is what you're looking for out of a running back who's when you're looking for a floor in that, in that aspect. So we like him as an RB too. Melvin Gordon, you definitely can stick to him and play him this week. Phil Lindsay isn't somebody we're talking about. The only other players that we have to look at here would be Noah Fant and Tim Patrick. And Fant, he's supposed to play. From what I understand, his illness, whatever that was. And if you have Noah Fant and you still made it to the next round, round of applause. Because you guys screwed in a way I cannot understand. Players get hurt in the early on in games, and they might wind up goosing you as a result. But Noah Fant got pulled for an illness that nobody knew he had. And he got pulled for in the first quarter. Not only do you usually have some kind of heads up to this situation, but normally speaking, they're not going to wait till the game starts. If you're that sick that you can't play, they have you out there, especially in the year 2020. So that was the weirdest thing I ever saw. I thought maybe he tested positive and they just didn't want to tell anybody, but apparently that really was not the case. He legitimately has an illness that had nothing to do with COVID. So supposedly he's healthy. I have Noah fan as tight end 16 because even though when he's been healthy, it still hasn't been a great year for him. I don't think he's ever gotten to be 100% from his injury early on in the season. I don't think he's ever been able to get to that point. His explosiveness has just not been there this year. 
So is he in that streaming territory? Is he in the conversation, depending on what tight ends you have? Yeah, absolutely. I think every tight end is in the conversation, unfortunately. But he has a low floor. And honestly, I haven't seen much of a ceiling out of him. And going against Buffalo with Milano back, it's not a good matchup for tight ends. So I might be looking for other options there. Tim Patrick's the only wide receiver I may contemplate. I know K.J. Hamler had the big week, but again, it was only two receptions, and he got those two touchdowns off of. I know Jerry Judy has been good in spurts this season, but the guy, if I'm going to take a chance on a Denver Bronco wide receiver, it's going to be Tim Patrick. Playing the Cortland Sutton role, he's the guy who has the opportunity to go for 100 yards. He's the, he's the guy who has the more red zone capabilities. Last week, he scored a touchdown. A week before that, he went for 100 yards. It was case in point. Those are all in his range of outcomes, and he's had a pretty good floor almost every single week since he's been back and healthy. So I have him at wide receiver 42, so I have him just outside that wide receiver three range. If we play in three receiver leagues out there, then he is definitely a flex consideration for me this week. But he's a nice little solid piece to have if you're dealing with some injuries or some indecisions going into this week. And I do believe Denver's going to have to come back from behind, so there might be garbage time available when you're looking at some of these players. Let's talk about the second Saturday game. Let's talk about Carolina and the Green Bay Packers. No Christian McCaffrey. And at this point, it would make zero sense for Christian McCaffrey to come back this season. I mean, zero sense. It's week 15. You have two games left. You're not a playoff team. You have a $100 million, I mean, not quite that much, but you have a big-time investment moving forward in you. What would the point be? And while that's not what fantasy owners want to hear, that's, that's the reality of the situation. There's no point in bringing back Christian McCaffrey this season if you're the Carolina Panthers. None whatsoever. Coaching staff is not on the hot seat. Even though it winds up being a season where they didn't make the playoffs all in all, I think a lot of people called it a success. There's a lot of things to like out of the Carolina Panthers right now. There's no way. There's absolutely no way we see Christian McCaffrey. So Mike Davis, not just this week, but also next week. And while he didn't get a lot of carries last week, he still got the two touchdowns. Looked like he had some of that magic that he had early on when he started spelling for Christian McCaffrey. And you love the matchup against the Green Bay Packers. 100%. They should have DJ Moore back in this game. That's good news there. They will have their full plethora of wide receivers heading against the Green Bay Packers, which should help things with Mike Davis, keep those extra guys out of the box, and he should be able to take advantage of a poor run defense in the Green Bay. Mike Davis is RB15 for me on the week, so a very solid RB2. DJ Moore. I actually wound up having him ranked as the second wide receiver. I don't think it should really come as too much of a surprise. Wide receiver 35, just inside that wide receiver three territory. Packers have been good against corners. I have Robbie Anderson. He's the highest ranked receiver of the three of them. I have him at wide receiver 26, so the top end wide receiver three territory. Curtis Samuel, wide receiver 41, so top end wide receiver four for the week. With Kevin King back and Jared Alexander having one of his better years, maybe his best year in his career, They've been very good against perimeter wide receivers, especially. Now, Curtis Samuel might be the one who has a little bit more of the mismatch. But just in general, teams have not been able to dominate. They'll be able to move the ball, but I don't know how many of these guys have an opportunity to score because they've kept wide receivers out of the end zone. Now, that should pave the way for Mike, Mike Davis here. 
but you're hoping for that big play out of Robbie Anderson. And frankly, this year, you've been hoping and needing that big play out of DJ Moore. Because it's not, it's, it's not the DJ Moore of the past couple of years where you get the volume and you get the safe floor, and then if, you get, if he does get a score or a big play on top of it, it's the cherry on top. No, 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 no. He's become essentially big play dependent this season to even get back to fantasy relevancy because for a while there, he wasn't at all. I don't know those big players to be had against Green Bay. I think they'll be able to move the ball between the 20s, but punching it in is going to be a different story altogether. So I like Anderson as a high-end wide receiver three. I like DJ Moore as a low-end wide receiver three. Curtis Samuel as a possible flex play. Because I do, like I said, I think the volume, I think the yardage will be there. I think they'll have floors. But I'm not expecting big games out of them. So adjust your roster construction accordingly. Bridgewater's not in the streaming territory, kind of like they've been tough on receivers. They've been tough on quarterbacks, especially quarterbacks who are around the average mark in the NFL. There could be some points in this game, but I'm expecting a, a Green Bay easy enough win, put it that way. On the Packers side of things, you know who you're playing. Aaron Rodgers is my number two quarterback on the week. No one, no demon's been able to keep him out of the red zone, but Carolina especially is not something that scares you at all. Aaron Jones, my RB9. That one's a little bit more difficult. The, what we thought we saw, so two weeks ago, we had Aaron Jones looking like he really stretched out the disparity between him and Jamal Williams as far as touches go. And then we come back next week and Jamal Williams was pretty much eh, right there at the 45% mark on utilization. And it took away what should have been a great performance out of Aaron Jones against the Detroit Lions. Carolina is another team that has struggled against the running back this season. This one in Green Bay, maybe it sets up Aaron Jones. He's due for a big game. You have to continue to play him. He has to be considered an RB1. He's more of a boomer bust RB1 than most of the other RB1s out there, but that's kind of been his career anyway. But this year... We haven't had too many of those huge Aaron Jones signature win games. I have a feeling this is it. It's a good matchup. Carolina's been decent against outside wide receivers. You have to fire him up, but there's a good chance here that Aaron Jones, who's due for a big game, finally gets his in this one, or at the very least gets in the end zone. Jamal Williams will be a pain. Not quite a flex play in Jamal Williams is right, but enough just to take away from Aaron Jones' ceiling just a bit. Just a bit. But I do have Aaron Jones still in my top 10 heading into this week. Devontae Adams, my number two wide receiver on the week. I don't care who he's playing against. The guy's a monster. And playing like the best receiver in the league this year, in my opinion. Robert Tunyon, tight end 15. That might even be a little bit too low. I might be bringing him up before we get to those Saturday games. And remember, we're going to keep those rankings up to date as we get more information all throughout the week. But this is a guy who's looking at double-digit touchdowns on the season. I talked about this. He's been consistently carved out, especially in the red zone, where he can now produce alongside of a Devontae Adams where that wasn't happening early on in the season. You're looking for tight ends who score touchdowns. You're not going to get any better than Robert Tunyon right now because you can't keep Aaron Rodgers out of the end zone. I don't know how many yards I expect in this game, but he's got as good of a shot as a touchdown as anybody in this matchup, and I would fire him up with some confidence if you're looking at that streaming tight end territory range. 
So now we can move into Sunday. Got the Saturday games out of the way. We got the Thursday night game out of the way. Let's talk about the Sunday games. The first 1 o'clock game that we're going to talk about today's show is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Atlanta Falcons. Julio Jones, still not practicing today. Just got that news alert actually through our desk now. I would not suspect Julio's out there. I would not suspect Julio comes back this season. It's kind of a Christian McCaffrey situation. Now, it's a little different in the sense of we don't exactly know what the long-term status of Julio Jones and the Atlanta Falcons is going to be. I mean, they still have Matt Ryan and Julio under contract going into the next season. But a team who's strapped for cash and a team essentially you could look at in a position to hit the rebuild button, it does make a lot of things interesting. But a non-playoff team, and if he doesn't play this week, we'd only have two two weeks left after this week. It doesn't make any sense to me that he would come back at all this season. He's been dealing with these soft tissue hamstrings all year. At this point, just rest and get ready for next year. If he doesn't play this week, I don't see why he would come back at all. So if he doesn't play this week, I don't think he'd be available to you in your championship weeks either. And we didn't rank him as playing this week either. Calvin Ridley, who's the only Falcon who is no Julio Jones playing in that game proof. Got to be a better way to say that. But essentially, when Julio doesn't play, Matt Ryan turns to crap. Hayden Hurst turns to crap. The entire Atlanta offense turns to crap, except for... Calvin Ridley, who comes in at wide receiver five for me this week. Now, I don't necessarily love the matchup against Tampa Bay. Harlan Davis is a good corner. And I talked about this leading into last week's matchup before the game ever started. I said, if Tampa Bay gets back to the drawing board on defense and Todd Bowles gets back to doing what it is that he actually likes to do, this is a really good Tampa Bay defense that hasn't been playing up to snuff over the past few weeks, because for some reason, they went from being an exotic blitz, man cover scheme, to a soft zone. And it's been biting them in the butt. Now, they still been able to stop the run, but everyone's been able to throw on them during that stretch. Well, last week, last week that changed. It looked like to me last week that they did get back to the drawing board. The defense came out playing more Todd Bowles-like. More to their personnel. More aggressive behind the line of scrimmage. Beat them up. Play man-to-man. They do that this game. I do worry a little bit about Calvin Ridley's floor. But here's the deal. Even if that happens, the volume Calvin Ridley's going to see is going to be through the roof. No Julio Jones. I expect the Atlanta Falcons to have to come back from behind in this game. It may take second-half garbage time points, but they count all the same. So that's why I still feel good about Calvin Ridley being a wide receiver one at the end of the day, even though I do have some trepidations about this matchup with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers especially if they continue to play defense the way they did last week against the Minnesota Vikings. Hayden Hurst is in the tight end one discussion because he's a tight end who's had a target volume. But the problem is if there's no Julio Jones, he's going to come right now. I have a tight end nine. I'm going to bring him down my rankings. If there's no Julio Jones by Sunday to where he'll probably be outside the top 12. Again, no Julio. I'm not playing Ryan. I don't want to play Hayden Hurst. Todd Gurley is my RB32, and that's just on the off chance that he falls in the end zone. That's it. You don't like playing any running backs against Tampa Bay, especially not ones that have 
no speed bursts right now at all, who look like they're struggling just to get back to the line of scrimmage against bad teams. So you're, I don't, I don't, unless you're just, you have no other choice and you're hoping and praying for a touchdown. I really would not want to play Todd Gurley this week. If you can all help it. It makes the Atlanta Falcons a one player fantasy relevant team. Not something I thought would ever be the case with how much talent this offense has. They got a lot of work to do in the off season on Tampa Bay side of things. You feel pretty good about the guys that you want to depend on. Let's talk about the main story first. Ronald Jones. Not only was he dealing with a fractured pinky that he got surgery for and put pins in was already questionable for this week. And the similar injury on the same team that we saw earlier on the season was Chris Godwin. Now, it was a more important finger, and it was a wide receiver where it affects you a little bit more trying to catch the ball. However, he still had to miss a week. Then... While he was questionable with the surgery, he gets put on the COVID-19 list. Now, from what I understand, it sounds like he's a high risk, not that he tested positive, which means he would still be eligible to play on Sunday if he continues to test negative. But between putting, getting put on the COVID-19 list and not even being sure if he was going to play because of the pins put in his finger for surgery this week anyway, I don't have Ronald Jones ranked. I am leaning more towards the idea that there's a lot of things that seemingly working against him for being available this week. I'm not counting on him starting. Now, we'll throw this out there real quickly. If Ronald Jones does suit up, then he's an RB2, and you can play him in your lineups as such, even in a tough match against the Atlanta Falcons, because it's seemingly that Bruce Arians and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have decided that they are going to commit to Ronald Jones being their lead back. So is that going to be the case? Because, you know, Leonard Fournette was a healthy scratch last week. They seem to have made that commitment. So that means he's going to have touchdown potential, even in hard matchups like the Atlanta Falcons have been you still can fire him up as an RB2. I'm leaning towards him not playing now. Now, if he doesn't play, that means Leonard Fournette comes back into the discussion. They've already come out, and that's why I love Bruce Arians. Sometimes they hope he just be blunt and right to the point. He already said Ronald Jones can't play. Leonard Fournette will be the starting running back. Now, we'll go past what that means for this week real quickly. I just have a thought that I just kind of want to put out there. If Leonard Fournette winds up being the starting running back this week, and he has a great game against what's been a pretty tough match against the Atlanta Falcons, running and catching the football. I almost do wonder if this just opens the door for this backfield to get muddied all over again, just in time for our Week 16 championship matchups, because that would be pretty much the example, picture-perfect epitome of 2020. That's basically what that would be. Just a thought that comes across my head if that were the windup happening. Because we just got clarity on the situation at, at the perfect time, seemingly. Wouldn't it be Tampa Bay-esque? Wouldn't it be 2020-esque if Leonard Fournette comes out, dominates, and all of a sudden we have a muddied situation when it comes to Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones come week 16? Just, just a, a thought that popped into my mind. I know fantasy owners out there watching and listening to this show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network on WWSRN are cursing my name right now because it's the last thing that you want to hear, especially if you're a Ronald Jones owner right now who thinks you just finally stumbled into an RB2 the rest of the way for your playoffs. Just a thought. Now, as far as this week goes, Leonard Fournette, he would be an RB2 as a starting running back. And you can look at it this way. The difference between him and Ronald Jones is that you know 
he'll also be worked in in the passing game. So you're not going to see like the Sean, Sean McCoy's uh, in those situations like you did last week or anything like that. You could see Leonard Fournette being a true bell cow back throughout. I mean, Sean McCoy might come in to give him a breather every so often or something like that, but it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be coming in in, in specific situations or anything. Uh, it would be Leonard Fournette being the bell cow guy. So because he's going to have that floor in the passing game against Atlanta, that's what solidifies him as an RB2. And I have him around the top 15 uh, running backs this week, assuming that there is no Ronald Jones. So that's where we're at on Leonard Fournette. Tom Brady's my QB6 on the week. He's a bit boom, he's a bit boomer bust, right? Because if they have games where their defense can win and their running backs can give them enough on offense, if they don't have to win the game with Tom Brady, they won't win the game with Tom Brady. But it's Atlanta. It's a healthy slew of wide receivers against Atlanta. You have to think Tom Brady can be a QB1 for you this week and a very good one at that. So I'm going to play Tom Brady with confidence in this fantasy playoff, even though he's been a bit hit or miss when it comes to fantasy production. Mike Evans, wide receiver 18 for me. Chris Godwin's my wide receiver 30. I'm not playing Antonio Brown. I don't think that's something that's really even up for debate at this point. You've kind of seen how this breaks down. Mike Evans getting force-fed in the red zone. Chris Godwin still probably the most dependable wide receiver as far as what you can expect out of his target share, his role within the offense, and whether or not he's going to catch the ball when throwing the football. But still not a high ceiling at a, at a Godwin, that is. Evans has a high ceiling because he might get a couple touchdowns. That's very much within the realm of possibility. But with Chris Godwin, because he's not getting targeted the way Jameis Winston targeted him a season ago, and because he's getting targeted all short and over the middle, he's not put in a lot of situations where he can actually break one out big. And he has, you know, big play making ability, but he's not put in that situation with Tom Brady at the quarterback position. So volume and yards has to be the name of his game, which is why it comes in at wide receiver 30 for us. If the big play and the touchdown are not really in the realm of possibility or, or really in the, out, in the range of outcomes, Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. Well, then you're just depending upon him for his floor, for his receptions, and for his yards. So he just becomes a safe wide receiver three who most likely in this match because Atlanta will not bust out on you, but it's not an exciting ceiling play whatsoever. And if you're in a situation in the fantasy playoffs, you're going up against good teams. I mean, you might look at that and say, you know what? I need a pop. I need a guy who can actually win me the week because of the team that I'm going up against here. And maybe my roster construction for this particular week doesn't necessarily match up. You got to be able to look at things like that and say, you know what? I might need to take a higher boom-bust risk than a Chris Godwin. Or maybe there's a situation where, you know what? I match up with this team in a lot of other positions. I just need a guy to make sure it doesn't bust out on me. And then that's where you look at a Chris Godwin at a wide receiver 30. Rob Gronkowski is my tight end 14. 
again, has just as good of a chance to score a touchdown as a lot of the other tight ends out there. So he's in that streaming range consideration, but not necessarily a locked-in top 12 guy, not necessarily a locked-in starter in your lineups, depending upon what options you have available to you. So what we're going to do now is we're going to take a quick break, come back on the other side in the Worldwide Sports Radio Network with more early window preview matchups for Week 15, your second round of the football playoffs. We'll be talking to you that and more right after this. It's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And welcome back in, MD Nation, to the show. You are listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network, WWSRN, also presented to you by Belly Up Sports. And we got a great one in store for you guys here today. We've already been talking about some of the early week previews for week 15 we got a lot more games to get to we're actually gonna see us pick up the pace a little bit more in the second half of the show because of how much more information we need to get out to you guys in today's show we will be back tomorrow for the thursday night football recap the injury news updates and of course the late window preview matchups for all of you so just when we were in the break there we came out on the other side we had news coming out from the denver broncos that melvin gordon along with a slew of other players for the the Denver Broncos, but the fantasy-relevant ones being Melvin Gordon and Philip Lindsay, both are going to be listed as questionable heading into Saturday. That is not to be unexpected. Uh, Maybe Melvin Gordon is more of a game-time decision than what we thought, but we were still leaning on the idea of Melvin Gordon being available. Lucky for you, that is a Saturday game, so we'll know pretty early on in the process during the week exactly who we are going to uh, have available to us anyway. And like I said, Melvin Gordon plays. He is an RB too. So coming out of the break, we want to talk about more of our games. And we got the 49ers and the Dallas Cowboys up in the early window of Sunday matchups. Now, of course, the big question is going to be, are we going to have an available Raheem Moster who's dealing with some ankle soreness? He had the head injury during the game. Okay, Shanahan came out yesterday and said his expectation that he is going to have Raheem Mostert be available. So if that's going to be the case, then what do you do? Because Mostert hasn't gotten quite enough touches away from Jeff Wilson to really give you the fantasy value that you're hoping you would get when he came back. Because this guy was a lightning rod in the, in the beginning of the season. He was a guy that you knew maybe he wasn't going to get you more than 15, 16 touches, but he was going to get you about 14 to 16 in any given game, and he just needed one play to be an RB1 on the week. I still think he fits that mold, especially this week against the Dallas Cowboys. Raheem Mostert's out there and active. We do have him ranked as the RB19, who, of course, has a much bigger ceiling in his range of outcomes to be higher than that if he's able to bust a big one and against the Dallas Cowboys, anything is possible. What has become abundantly apparent is that Jeff Wilson is going to be involved, whether Raheem Moser is out there or not. Jeff Wilson is going to get goal line carries, whether Raheem Moser is out there or not. And it's limiting the ceiling of Raheem Moser. And going into this game, while you thought maybe Raheem Mostert get a little bit healthier and a little bit healthier and a little bit healthier, and maybe we get closer weeks 15 and week 16 to a guy that what we saw earlier on in the season, now that he has maybe not a major setback, but maybe a minor setback in the sense that he's still sore from it, he's dealing with it. I don't have the confidence that he'll definitely be able to break away from a Jeff Wilson as far as the touch share is between the two of them. And Wilson seems to really have the favor of Kyle Shanahan right now for whatever reason, because I really think the guy's just nothing more than a mediocre back. But 
neither here nor there when it comes to fantasy football. We have to deal with the reality of the situation. That is, the reality of the situation is he's getting utilized. Also, the reality of the situation is if Raheem Moser does get ruled out, Jeff Wilson would become a must-play RB2 against the Dallas Cowboys. Now, I'm not saying Jeff Wilson would dominate the touches. He still would not. You still have a healthy Tevin Coleman. You still have a healthy Jarek McKinnon. Those guys will get involved. But what we've seen in the past is that when Raheem Mostert goes down and Jeff Wilson is healthy and active, he seems to be the preferred back for Kyle Shanahan. And the goal line touches still remain. He even gets worked in a little bit on the passing game side of things as well. But he would be the first running back who has a shot at plus 16 touches and red zone for this team, for this matchup. So Jeff Wilson would become a must-play RB2 in this matchup in my eyes if Raheem Mostert is unable to go. I'm getting a news alert right here that has to do with this game for the Dallas Cowboys and Ezekiel Elliott. Went through resistance training for a second day as he works through the calf bruise, but the expectation remains that he will be available for Sunday. So that is the live news alert that I just got for this game in particular. So that worked out pretty well, but we're still talking about the 49ers and their fantasy football expectations outside of the running back situation. The only other thing I really want to play because Jordan Reed, while he's a streaming tight end, he's just that streaming tight end. I don't know how excited I am to play him. He is an option to be played there depending upon the other options that you're looking at. I do have him in the top 12, so if you're comparing him to a Rob Gronkowski, who we talked about earlier on the show, I would rather play a Jordan Reed. The only other guy I'm excited to play is Brandon Ayuk. I have Brandon Ayuk as a top 10 wide receiver this week, and I feel pretty good about it. Now, though Debo Samuel, a lot of people are excited by him this week because no Debo Samuel and the Dallas Cowboys is one of the best matchups you could have as a wide receiver. Does Nick Mullins bother me? I mean, yeah, he bothers me in the sense of, he doesn't have that arm to hit Brand Ayuk deep down the field for those bigger plays. But with no Debo Samuel and the way Ayuk has been playing this really generally this season, but especially as of late, he seems to be coming on really strong and developing really well throughout the year. He's going to get utilized in so many ways. It's hard to imagine Brand Ayuk not going for at least 100 yards in this ballgame, not getting a touchdown. It's hard to imagine him not getting those things than getting those things in this week's matchup. So Brandon Ayuk's my wide receiver eight overall on the week. Fire him up as a must start. He's going to be absolutely phenomenal for you heading into this matchup. If Raheem Moster does play, because I forgot to mention this part, Raheem Moster does play. Jeff Wilson's still an RB3. He's still a flex play because he's still going to, we saw it last week, he's still probably going to get double digit carries and he's still going to get the goal line work. So he's still a flex play available to you, even if Raheem Moster is out there, but of course becomes a must play RB2 if he is not. Let's move over to the Dallas Cowboys side of things. So we just got the report about Ezekiel Elliott. What is he anyway? I have him at wide receiver 22. I have him as a low-end RB2. And even that, frankly, against San Francisco 49ers, might be too high. Now, we'll see if Fred Warner is able to go. If he's not, then this run defense just became a bit easier. But if Fred Warner's out there, Given what Ezekiel Elliott has been this season, given what that offensive line has been this season, I don't have a ton of confidence. I still have been the RB2. He's still been the lead guy. The one thing giving me a silver lining hope is that he actually showed like he was a decent running back against the Baltimore Ravens, which I didn't think he was going to do anything in that game. But then he had the Cincinnati Bengals this past week, and while their defense and special teams kind of wound up dominating that game, the offense didn't have to do a ton, it was still very disheartening to see Ezekiel Elliott not be that effective. 
not be very good. So even though I have an RB22 this week, honestly, I might wind up moving him down a little bit before we head into Sunday. So I think you'd look at Ezekiel Elliott as a flex option in your lineup, or if you have no other better option at the RB2 spot, nothing more. Really hope Zeke's able to put it together. I really hope that offensive line is able to put it together next year and come back strong because he is still too talented of a player to be talking about him in this lens. But that's where we're at with him with this week. Amari Cooper is a wide receiver 16 for me. Might be a little bit high, but the way I'm thinking about this is with the running game having a tough matchup here, I think a lot is going to fall on the shoulders of Andy Dalton and that passing attack, especially that short passing attack, to try to move the ball this week against San Francisco 49ers. I think this could be a back-and-forth game. It's in Dallas. So, therefore, I think there's going to be a nice floor volume there for Amari Cooper. And I think C.D. Lamb is going to have a decent game in this one, too. I have him ranked at wide receiver 34. I continue to leave Michael Gallup off. Yes, I recognize the past couple of weeks, Michael Gallup's been the lead targeted wide receiver out of Andy Dalton. I understand that. I don't like Gallup's match in this one. He's going to see Sherman more so than the other wide receivers. Niners been pretty decent against perimeter wide receivers for the most part, with the exception of Buffalo a couple weeks ago. But they did a really good job with Terry McLaurin last week, so it kind of shows you the balance there. Michael Gallup will be the one in those situations more times than not. That's why I like Amari Cooper, who they mix around a little bit. The C.D. Lamb, who they mix around a little bit. I like those guys a lot more in this game, and, and really have for the entire season. That shouldn't come as a shock. But I do think Cooper in this matchup can be a wide receiver too. Let's move on to Detroit Lions and the Tennessee Titans. And this game is just wildly dependent upon Matthew Stafford playing. And I don't just mean that for the Detroit Lions. I mean that for the Tennessee Titans, too. If Stafford plays, let's, let's focus on this from a Stafford playing standpoint real quick. I have him as QB7. Tennessee's a great matchup for quarterbacks. Great matchup for quarterbacks. You can throw the ball on them all day long. Points can be had on the Tennessee Titans throwing the ball through the air. And even though Kenny Galladay continues to not practice, and I don't think we're going to see Kenny Galladay at all for the rest of the season either. I still believe with Marvin Jones, with Danny Amendola, with TJ Hawkinson, with what DeAndre Swift can do coming out of the backfield, I still believe that those are enough weapons for Matthew Stafford to get cooking. And he's proven that when he's been out there for the past couple of weeks now. Especially with Bevel now as the head coach, the offense is playing looser, more aggressive. Now, Stafford's not going to practice this week at all. But that's not necessarily going to seal his fate as to whether or not he plays in this game. So I don't think we're really going to know until Sunday morning. So make sure you have us up to date at BellyUpMDFF Show on Twitter because we'll keep you up to date with those player news notifications coming out. If he plays, I have him as a top 10 quarterback. I think you can play him. Am I a little bit more hesitant than I would have been since he's not going to practice at all this week? Sure. But I expect Tennessee to be able to do what they want to do offensively. I expect the Lions to have to come back from behind. I expect Stafford to have to carry the weight. I expect Stafford to have to carry the production in a good matchup. In a, what could be, frankly, if he plays a high-scoring game. So ultimately, I do like Matthew Stafford quite a bit. DeAndre Swift, whether or not Stafford plays or not, DeAndre Swift's the one player who I'm confident in where I have him ranked, which is RB13, a high-end RB2. I know it sounds a little bit high to people, but he's a week removed. He had a, he had a good week last week. He didn't have any setbacks. So he's another, another further week removed from the concussion issues, from the illness issues. We know his talent. And we know ultimately if he is healthy enough to handle the workload, 
the Lions want to give him the workload. We know he's going to be in the passing game. And whether Chase Daniels or Matthew Stafford is a quarterback, he will be involved in the passing game and the checkdowns. It's a good matchup again for running backs. I like DeAndre Swift a lot in this one. He's a must play for me. Marvin Jones, like I said, we don't expect a Kenny Galladay here. So Marvin Jones will be the number one receiver. If Stafford plays, I have him as wide receiver 19. I have him as a solid wide receiver too. I think there's a good shot for him to score a touchdown in this one. Again, you like the matchup. He's able to go for eight catches, 100 yards, and a touchdown against Chicago. He can definitely do that against Tennessee here. I know last week's a little bit more of a disappointment. But it was also against the Green Bay Packers, who've been good against perimeter wide receivers. So I wasn't expecting a huge game out of them against Green Bay. Tennessee, not so much. So I think you can play Marvin Jones in this game. Malcolm Butler does not scare me at all. TJ Hawkinson's a top five tight end and probably will be. Probably, I mean, there's not that much of the season left, but will be for the rest of the season, even though there's only a couple more weeks left after this one. Love TJ Hawkinson. Now, let's talk about the Detroit Lions and the lens that Stafford doesn't play, right? Well, then Marvin Jones is nothing more than a volume-based high-floor wide receiver three with a chance Daniels. I, he doesn't have the capabilities of a big play, and he might get targeted in the red zone, but I don't know how often they're going to be in there, and I think T.G. Hawkinson would probably get targeted in the red zone before Marvin Jones would have de- chased Daniels as a starting quarterback. So I'm not big on a Marvin Jones. I think there's only two players that I feel okay about playing if Chase Daniels is the quarterback. That would be T.G. Hawkinson because he's a big target over the middle, short, where Chase Daniels wants to go to the football, and DeAndre Swift because he's the check down, and he's the running back. I wouldn't play anybody else on the short lines if it's Chase Daniels. Now we go flip over to Tennessee. If Stafford plays, again, I think this can be a high-scoring game. I think this can be a back-and-forth game. So while Derrick Henry is my number one running back on the week, and I don't think that should come as a surprise, we'll still have a good game no matter what the game script is. If it's a high-scoring back-and-forth game, that will keep the Tennessee Titans more aggressive than, say, they were against the Jacksonville Jaguars last week. So Ryan Tannehill being a top 10 quarterback for me this week is a little bit contingent on Stafford playing. Now, could he be a top 10 quarterback, whether Stafford plays or not? Yes. Has he had games where Derrick Henry went off and he was still able to be a great fantasy asset? 100%. But you saw what happened last week. If it becomes a situation where Henry can just dominate and Ryan Tannehill only does his damage in the first half because they're dominating so much with the running game, That can happen here with Detroit Lions if they don't have a Matthew Stafford available. So that game script is a possibility for Ryan Tannehill where he had a good floor game, but not exactly what you're looking for in the fantasy playoffs out of your quarterback. So that's where these things kind of come into play with why Stafford is even important for the Tennessee side of the ball. And of course, regardless, I think you can stream Ryan Tannehill. You're playing A.J. Brown and you're playing Corey Davis, regardless of whether staff or players or not. But the ceilings, the expectations can change. It's a back-and-forth game, and Stafford's playing. I have A.J. Brown as a wide receiver one and wide receiver nine on the week. Guy's a beast. The guy's a monster. He got hurt. What? He hurt the, he hurt the other ankle this time? Who cares? Got back up, and the next possession was back out there. The guy's a freak. Did he practice yesterday? No. Is he going to practice today? No. Will he practice him tomorrow? Yeah, because that's what he does. He'll be fine for this for this Sunday. Corey Davis was a disappointing last week. Three catches, 38 yards. Yes, but we've seen this out of Corey Davis. It's kind of in, in every other game situation. It's been a mix this season. It's, it's one game where it's Corey Davis. It's one game where it's A.J. Brown. There's only been a couple of games where it's been both, but you do get it sometimes. 
But regardless, you got to play him. He's been a wide receiver too, and you're going up against Detroit. There's no way you're keeping him on your bench in this week. No way. Janu Smith, unfortunately, while I love his talent and I wanted him to be a sleeper breakout for me this, this year at the tight end position, he was looking like it earlier on in the season for whatever reason, and, and maybe it's due to the injuries at the offensive line. They just need him to block more often because that's essentially what's happened to him. He's come more of a blocker than a tight end. Unfortunately, he's just not getting the targets. He's not getting utilized in the passing game the way that he was early on in the year, the way that he should be because of his talent. So you can't play Janu Smith in this matchup. Let's move on. Let's talk about the Houston Texans and the Indianapolis Colts and their rematch within you know two games in three weeks. It's a couple times that's happened for a few teams. Kind of question the scheduling on that one, especially when it comes to the division. Brandon Cooks is expected back. David Johnson is expected back. So Houston, when you know, minus will the suspension with Will Fuller, are getting all their weapons back for this game in time. We know they're trying to be competitive. Deshaun Watson is trying to do everything in his power to keep his offense afloat, to keep his team competitive in games. Even that Chicago game, you go back and watch that game if you missed it. Even though it was a blowout on the scoreboard, I was very impressed with Watson. I was very impressed with Watson. He did everything in his power to keep his team afloat in that game and at least keep them competitive. He's playing maybe as a quarterback one of his best years, and I talked about this earlier on this week, in the show. And unfortunately it's just going to get forgotten about because of how horrible of a year this has been for the team. But Watson's really played well. He really has. He's my QB 12 this week. It's not a great match against the Colts. Although they weren't able to move the ball offensively with some effectiveness a couple of weeks ago. Now this game's going to be in Indianapolis. It's not going to be in Houston. So there's a factor there with the home field. But Watson's still a QB 12. You know, at the end of the day, he's at least going to use his legs enough to give you a floor, even if it's not the highest ceiling in the world because of the matchup. David Johnson is a low-end RB2. Is it going to be exciting? Is it going to be pretty? No, not at all. But you know he's getting the volume. You know he's getting the goal line work. He had a touchdown, I believe, when they played the Colts a couple weeks ago. You have to play him as an RB2. The interesting part is the wide receivers. Kiki Kuti had the big game against them a couple of weeks ago. The slot receiver is usually the way you attack the Indianapolis Colts for the most part. But I do have Brandon Cook still ranked higher. Now I have Kuti at wide receiver 28. So he's right there at that wide receiver three territory. But I have Brandon Cooks as low in wide receiver two at wide receiver 23. The reason for that is while Cooks got hurt in that game, he still managed to finish with eight targets. Now, his stat line was five catches for 65 yards, but he still had eight targets, missing a chunk of that game. Which means, in my eyes, he would have gotten double-digit targets. You're going to give me a guy who's going to get me double-digit targets in the fantasy football playoffs? I'm going to show you a guy who at least has a high floor. And it's not like the Colts secondary is a secondary you can't move the ball on at all. So the big play, touchdowns, he should have had a touchdown in this game, actually. I went back and watched that one more time to kind of look through this with Brandon Cooks and what we saw, and he was only a yard away from having a touchdown in that game. Brandon Cooks is somebody who might have a better floor than we would expect him to heading into this matchup. So the volume, eight targets. The one thing you know about Houston in this game script is they're going to have to throw the ball constantly with their team all the way throughout. So I do think he can still be a low-end wide receiver, too, 
I question exactly the ceiling. Again, like I said, you don't love the matchup, but I think he has more of a floor than people realize. Now let's talk about the Colts side of the ball. Phillip Rivers, obviously, I think he has to be a streaming quarterback. He's played well. He's been getting around that 19, 20 point area. It's Houston. It's a good matchup. And after the Houston matchup, after the three game streak that he's been on, I don't see how T.Y. Hilton's not in your lineups. He's a wide receiver 21 for me, and that might even be too low. He's a wide receiver two. He's a must play for me this week. The guy has four touchdowns in three games. His fantasy relevancy has returned. They have made a new game plan over these past few weeks for T.Y. Hilton to truly have him be involved in the offense, to truly be the number one targeted wide receiver over Michael Pittman now. I'm not passing up this opportunity to play him against Houston if I have T.Y. Hilton on my team. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Are you still left with the idea that it's a little bit scary because he's been virtually nothing before this stretch? Sure, but he's having this hot hand stretch at the most important time of your season. And it's a new role. If if nothing had changed and we're just all of a sudden seeing production out of T.Y. Hilton lately, I would be a little bit more hesitant. But he's in a new role. They have a new game plan. They're putting an emphasis on getting him the ball. And their offense as a whole is working much better with T.Y. Hilton getting involved. Plus, it's Houston. Hilton's a wide receiver, too, and a must-play. Jonathan Taylor, I have him as a top-10 RB1. Now, is it a little weird that the Colts offensive staff came out and talked about how, oh, well, Jonathan Taylor, you know what? We're still in a hot-hand approach. Yeah, I thought that was kind of odd, especially since Jonathan Taylor has come out the past couple of games with 20 carries, good performances, and had what should be considered a breakout performance last week. It's a little bit odd that they still come out and say, well, we're still going to have a bit of a hot-hand approach still from a week-to-week basis. That was annoying. We know Naeem Hines will be involved. Jordan Wilkins hasn't really been involved much for a while. It's another good matchup here. Taylor seems to be playing a little bit better over the past few weeks. He seems he's showing off more of his explosiveness, seeing the hole a little bit better, which his vision's really been the big issue to me so far this year. It just hasn't been there. Seems a little bit better. Of course, it helps when your offensive line is making these gaping holes against these poor run defenses. But guess what you have on stock for you, you know, this this week? You have an offensive line that should be able to make gaping holes against poor run defense. So, you know, what are you worried about? Jonathan Taylor, fire him up, RB1. Naeem Hines is just outside that RB3 territory for me, and we know he's going to be involved in some capacity, both the run, especially the passing game, but not enough the way Jonathan Taylor broke out the past couple of weeks to make me feel like I need to be playing Naeem Hines as a flex option at all. Let's move into the Patriots and the Dolphins. The Patriots take two seconds. Damian Harris is an RB3. Outside of that, not playing anybody else. There's too low of a floor on Cam Newton when he doesn't rush it in for a touchdown. Miami Dolphins defense is a much different team than what we saw when these two played against each other week one. Now, I know the Dolphins have some issues right now on offense. We're going to get to that in a second. But I am not looking to play a New England Patriot if I can at all help it. That includes Damian Harris, but he's an RB3 for me with a floor in this game. That is it. Julian Edelman, I'll mention this as day-to-day, but we're not expecting him to come back this week. Now, the Miami Dolphins side of things, they have a slew of injuries. They do have some good news, though. 
We'll start off with the bad news. The bad news is we fully do not expect Mike Kosicki this week. Maybe not for the rest of the regular season. Maybe if the Dolphins make the playoffs, we'll see him then. But it sounds like a pretty decent shoulder injury. We're not going to have him this week. So that's the bad news. We'll start off, and then we'll kick it off now with the good news, which is Devontae Parker and Jakeem Grant, who are listed as week-to-week, who are listed as doubtful for this game heading into the week, were actually able to practice in a limited capacity yesterday. Now, that doesn't mean they're definitely going to play, but it is a step in the right direction. It is a decent sign that they maybe have more of a door opening for them than we previously thought they would. Now, as of right now, I don't have these guys ranked, but we do have Lynn Bowden stepping in. Let's talk about it if Parker and Grant do not play. Well, I mean, Lynn Bowden should be looking at nine targets, maybe plus in this game. They're not going to have a lot of options for Tua Tagovailoa to be able to turn to. And while I don't love his ceiling, while he's more of a sleeper play in your flex position than anything else, there's going to be a floor volume there if the other two receivers cannot go. But this is something that's actually going to remain really fluid throughout the week. And we're going to have to see exactly do Parker and Jakeem Grant, are they able to continue practicing? And are they actually going to be able to play in a week where we didn't think they'd be back for it yet? So we're going to have to see on that one. A lot of that's going to stay up in the air. The other part of the Dolphins is the running back situation. They kept talking about Miles Gaskin and his COVID-19 positive test could mean a couple of weeks for him. It wasn't just going to be one week. First of all, the timing was terrible for him because he had it on Saturday, which means he had to stay seven days. So he can't practice at all this week. The best he could be do is the eligible to come off of it on Saturday. But they came out right away and talked about this being a couple of games before he came back. So assuming Miles Gaskin doesn't come back this week, and that's what we are assuming as of right now, if anything changes, follow us on social media at BellyUpMDFFShow for those player news update notifications on Twitter. If that remains the same, Savant Ahmed becomes very interesting because he returned to practice yesterday. Finally looks like he's going to get cleared from that shoulder injury. And I don't care that they brought back Matt Breida from the COVID-19 list. They did that earlier in the season. And what we got proven to us was that Matt Breida is an afterthought. He's a bench player. He's a role guy in this offense. Savant Ahmed, who came in for Miles Gaskin, was the lead guy. You like this matchup against the Patriots for a running back. And I'm not just talking about because of what you saw against Cam Akers. They haven't been great against a running back all year long. And Ahmed has showed some nice things. He also showed that he'll be involved in the passing game, which is something the Dolphins clearly are going to need this week. They're going to need guys who can be weapons in the passing game because they don't know what wide receivers are going to have available to them. So Savannah Ahmed is, is running back 28 for me on the week, an RB3, and a really solid flex play in my mind if there is no Miles Gaskin with a good matchup and a decent ceiling heading into this game. So Savannah Ahmed should be on your radars. If he's available out there, pick him up because I know there's been some leagues where he's available out there too. There's a really good chance that he's going to be the lead back against the Patriots this week the Miami Dolphins like that play a lot a lot of value to be had there what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break come back on the other side we have a couple more games to get to and a mailbag segment for you so everybody please stay tuned right after these messages it's the worldwide sports radio network 
You're listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And welcome back to the show, MD Nation. You are listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network, WWSRN. Also presented to you by Belly Up Sports. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater. We're going round and around and around on these early Week 15 playoff matchups for you guys in your fantasy football leagues. And a lot of information coming out today. A lot of games we previewed so far. We got two more games to get to and a mailbag segment in the last remaining minutes of the show today. Remember, we'll be back tomorrow on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Same time, same place, talking about the Thursday night recap, the injury updates from the slew of games we talked about in today's show, which will be available to you after the show on your favorite streaming app, iHeartRadio, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, wherever you like to go. The MD's Face Football Show is widely available to you. And we'll talk about the late window of preview matchups in tomorrow's show as well. So we're continuing on here with the Chicago Bears, the Minnesota Vikings. David Montgomery, man, oh man, David Montgomery. You want to talk about a guy who has just been really boring and really disappointing all year long, and all of a sudden is hitting his stride at the right moment, looking like a fantasy football champion player, a guy who's actually going to be one of the guys that, no, I don't want to say out of nowhere because he's still been in RB2 discussion all season long, but one of those guys you did not expect to be a key cog in championship lineups. And man, he has he's been an RB1 for the past three weeks. And against the Minnesota Vikings, while this isn't as easy of a matchup as he's had the past couple of weeks or one that he has next week, it's still not a matchup that scares you. And with Mitchell Trubisky there at quarterback, he has just played much better. There's been more holes because of the RPO action. He's been able to get more downhill, which is more suited to what his running style actually is in the first place. He's been involved in the passing game since Tariq Cohen has left. He's been getting about five targets on average per game. And that's what you're looking for. David Montgomery is my RB10 on the week. He's a low-end RB1. He's been playing on absolute fire, and I'm not going to be surprised if he carries you to the championship game and wins you another playoff matchup in this one. Expect a good game out of David Montgomery. Uh, Adversely, the other Chicago Bear player who's been playing with his hair on fire is Allen Robinson. I have him as wide receiver three this week. You love the match against the Minnesota Vikings. We know what wide receivers have been able to do to them all season long. That has not changed what he's been able to do since Trubisky's taken over because of the targets that he's seen in the red zone and just throughout in general. And they've done a better job offensively game plan to get Allen Robinson open. Both guys are must plays outside of that. Not trying to play a Chicago bear. That includes streaming Mitchell Trubisky because as much as he does for these two, I feel like I've talked about this last few weeks in a row, as much as he does for these two players for your fantasy football lineups, he in and of himself still comes with a low floor because those two players can do well without Trubisky putting up a lot of production, and he's still a turnover machine. So you're not streaming Mitchell Trubisky. Minnesota Vikings side of the ball, obviously, Dalvin Cook. I don't care what the matchup is. He is my RB2 in the week. Now, I will say this. The first time they played the Chicago Bears is the only game, I think, this season where he's been healthy and held in check. But he's still Dalvin Cook. If he can light it up the scoreboard against Tampa Bay last week, he could do it for anybody. Adam Thielen, Justin Jefferson, must plays, both wide receiver twos this week. I go back to a couple of weeks ago where the Detroit Lions were able to light up the Chicago Bears secondary. Now, the Bears are more healthy now, and I think they showed that last week against the Houston Texans. But there's no way you're not playing both Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson, what they've done, what they've brought to you at this point in this game. Even in a tougher matchup, these guys are wide receiver twos no matter what. 
So let's move on. There's not a lot to talk about. It's pretty straightforward when we talk about the Chicago Bears and, 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 uh, and the Minnesota Vikings there. Let's talk about Seattle and Washington. Let's talk about that game. Russell Wilson's QB8. I know he's been on the cold streak. I know he's not the top five that you want. Washington's defense is taking it to another level. The good part for Seattle in general in this game is that Washington's offense, where they have Alex Smith or not, is not able to put a ton of pressure on them. So they're never going to get knocked out of their game script, which maybe for Russell Wilson's standpoint, DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett owners out there, isn't necessarily what you want. You kind of want them to get out of their game script because their game script, unfortunately, has been an offense that wants to be too balanced. And it's taken away from the performances that you had from Russell Wilson when he was in a top three quarterback standpoint every single week, a DK Metcalf, a Tyler Lockett. Tyler Lockett, I have him at wide receiver 27. He's a wide receiver three in my mind with a low floor. And frankly, I don't know if you can make the argument he has much of a ceiling. Outside of playing Arizona over the past eight weeks, he's been nothing more than a low-end wide receiver three or wide receiver four. He's had no ceiling performances outside of playing Arizona over the past two months. Those are the only two games he's had, only two good games, I should say, that he's had in two months is the Arizona Cardinals. Are they playing the Arizona Cardinals here? No. Well, then I don't know if you could expect a ceiling. Why he hasn't been nearly as involved yet. DK Metcalf can be the wide receiver one. The whole point of this offense was supposed to be that both of these wide receivers could eat at the same time. And even DK Metcalf is cooled off to some degree, again, because the offense, because Russell Wilson's cooled off because they're trying to be very balanced. And I think it's taken away from what their identity should and needs to be. Washington doesn't have a secondary that scares you. It's the front seven that scares you. So I don't look at this as a bad matchup for a DK Metcalf or a Tyler Lockett. I look at it as a bad matchup for Russell Wilson with the way Seattle has been playing. And it just lowers, lowers the ceiling on everybody involved. Now, DK Metcalf is still a wide receiver one. But he's more of a low-end wide receiver. Why not have him wide receiver 11 on the week? They're not taking as many shots down the field. Chris Carson, limited practice yesterday with a foot issue. That's more of a maintenance, how they plan out his schedule for his practice ability. He's my RB17 on the week because he gets involved in the passing game. Even if he's not going to have a ton of efficient yards on the ground against this Washington front, he'll still be involved in the pass game enough to give him good fantasy floor and have an opportunity to score in this ballgame. And before you even ask me the question, no, I don't care that Rashad Penny's back. Do not care. I highly doubt he even plays this week. If he does, he's a backup. He's a backup to Carlos Hyde being the backup. Let's be real. So let's move into Washington. Alex Smith still not practicing today. He does not need to practice, kind of like Stafford. He does not need to practice to play. So we may not know with him until Sunday. But here's what I will say. Regardless of who the quarterback is, Terry McLaurin, even though he's been on a bit of a cold streak the past two weeks, has to be played. He's still wide receiver 12 for me. So he's a low-end wide receiver one, but he has to be played. He was having good games, just as many good games with Dwayne Haskins as he was with Alex Smith. So whoever the quarterback is, it matters not to Terry McLaurin. All that matters is that they get back to focusing on giving him the football. Steelers sold out to stop him. 49ers... They played good defense. They didn't sell out to stop him, though. That was more on Washington not really getting him the ball enough. Two weeks in a row of that, I expect Terry McLaurin to get the ball quite a bit in this game in a much better matchup situation against the Seattle Seahawks at home. 
in a game in which there's a much better offense. Washington should be in a situation where they get forced into having to put up some sort of points, especially in the second half. Terry McLaurin will be involved this week. Wide receiver 12. J.D. McKissick is RB29 for me. Expect him to make the switch. Last week was weird. I never expected J.D. McKissick to have more carries than Peyton Barber, which is what happened last week. And didn't expect him to be in a situation with no Antonio Gibson where he wasn't that involved in the passing game. That game was so defensively won by Washington that they didn't really do anything that you would expect them to do. They didn't have to. They will in this game. McKissick will have to be involved in the passing game. I don't really care about the revenge factor because McKissick's not good enough for that to matter. But he will get a ton of targets in this game, especially if Alex Smith is the quarterback. And I'm still leaning towards Alex Smith being able to suit up for this one. They didn't seem like it was that major of a thing to begin with. You just know they're going to be more extra cautious when it comes to Alex Smith and his leg in general. And they should be. But I expect him to go. I expect McKissick to get a high volume in the pass game and be an RB3 for you. Logan Thomas is in that streaming territory of tight ends. I actually have him as a tight end one this week. I have him as a tight end 10. Again, that, that though, is contingent on Alex Smith playing. If Dwayne Haskins plays, I'm not playing Logan Thomas. We saw he was terrible in the season before that. But if Alex Smith plays, the targets will be there for Thomas as well. I will play him in this matchup as a low-end tight end one. And just speaking because this news alert came out while we're talking about Washington, not that we expected him to play anyway, but Antonio Gibson is working on the side coming back from that toe injury. I would be shocked if we saw him back in the regular season. Maybe if Washington wins the division, we'll see him in the playoffs. I doubt anything besides that. I doubt Antonio Gibson will be a factor for you in your fantasy playoffs. We got one more game. Jacksonville Jaguars, the Baltimore Ravens. Real simple put here. Allen Robinson, I'm I'm sorry, James Robinson. You can play James Robinson. He's my RB7 on the week. Yes, it's a tough match against Baltimore. He's been too good not to. And with Gardner Minshew back, I expect Robinson to get back to being more involved in the passing game because there's going to be more checkdowns involved. And with his mobility, it should also help open some things up for Robinson. So while this is a terrible matchup against the Baltimore Ravens, because he's been good against tough matchups this year, and because Gardner Minshew is now the starting quarterback, I do think that bodes well for James Robinson. Outside of that, not playing a Jacksonville Jaguar. Don't know why you would. The Ravens are the team we got to talk about. J.K. Dobbins is a high-end RB2 this week. Gus Edwards is an RB3 this week. Now, before we get into that, I actually should lead off with this. Marquise Brown, high-risk contact, not positive test, though. So he will be eligible to still play in this game as long as he tests is negative. He just won't practice this week. But with Brown, you know, you're playing him as a wide receiver three. I have him as wide receiver 36 on the week. You're only playing him if you need a true Boomer bust threat. Now, I know he's on a three-touchdown streak all of a sudden, but the volume has not been there to sustain such a streak. So I'm not going to feel super confident, even in a good matchup here against the Jacksonville Jaguars. You're playing him for that one play. And if you don't get that one play, you're going to be incredibly disappointed. He is the epitome of all boomer bust plays for fantasy football right now. And I would rather play somebody else unless you're just in a situation where, look, I need that one play, otherwise I have no prayer anyway. Then I get it. Lamar Jackson's a top five quarterback. The only thing I'm worried about Lamar Jackson in this game is that they've been running him so much that they could look at this game and say, you know what, we don't need you to run crazy in this game for us to have a good matchup, for us to be able to win this one. So maybe, at least early on, the idea might for him to be, you know, give the ball off to the running backs a little bit more in those read option situations than you would in the other games where we've needed you to win so far and the games that we will need you to win down the stretch. 
So it's the only thing I worry about with Lamar Jackson, but ultimately he's running the ball so much lately. And he looks actually more explosive now at this point in the season than he did earlier on. Maybe he's finally healthy because remember he had that little bit of an injury, a foot injury coming into the year. Maybe he's finally over that. He just looks like he's like, you know what? Screw it. I'm just going to get back to getting the basics and doing what I do best, and that's running the football. That's why he's still such a high four. You're playing all your Ravens that you want to play them uh, involved. So now we got to skip the read. I want to get into the mailbag segment before this show ends. Let's talk about this. First up, we had a question during the show from Josh. He asked me, James Robinson or Austin Eckler? Uh, Josh, my, my answer to you is, first of all, the great options to have there, if that's really what your choice is between the two of them. But secondly, uh, is definitely Austin Eckler for me. I mean, the the matchup, number one, is so much better for Austin Eckler. And number two, he's going to be even more involved in the passing game than James Robinson would be. Uh, I'm 100% going Austin Eckler. He has a much higher floor-to-ceiling ratio than James Robinson does against the Baltimore Ravens. So, Josh, if you're still listening to the show because you, you commented on that earlier on, definitely going with Austin Eckler there. Uh, next questions I had up from throughout the week. First was Garen. He asked me Tom Brady or Deshaun Watson. Uh, I think I answered this a little bit in the rankings where I have Tom Brady at six. I have Deshaun Watson at 12. Here's what I will say. It depends more so on your roster construction, Garen, when it comes to these two quarterbacks, because if you have a situation where you think you have a pretty good team and you match up pretty well with the opposing team, I would maybe lean towards Watson because he has a higher floor with his legs than a Tom Brady does. Cause like we talked about earlier on the show, the Buccaneers may not necessarily need Tom Brady to win the game. And if they don't need him to win the game, they won't. And that'll affect his fantasy production. But if you need a guy to hit a, who hit need to hit a ceiling, you need a guy who might be able to throw for 300 yards and three touchdowns. That's going to be Tom Brady in this matchup against the Atlanta Falcons. So I think it actually comes down to roster construction, but going off my rankings, I would lean towards Tom Brady for this game. Dabs asked me Noah Fant or Logan Thomas in this one. Uh, Logan Thomas. I don't know what to expect out of Noah Fant anymore. He, he seemingly can't get through four quarters in the game without picking up some sort of injury or last week, you know, an illness nobody knew about in the beginning of the game. Uh, Logan Thomas, if Alex Smith plays, I think should be a top 12 tight end against the Seattle Seahawks this week. And last question for today's show, Colin asked me, Ryan Tannehill or Deshaun Watson? A lot of Deshaun Watson. Uh, To me, either way, I'm going with Tannehill against Detroit. He has a similar floor to a Deshaun Watson against the Colts. He has a similar ceiling. He has a much better matchup, especially like if Matthew Stafford plays. I would definitely go with Ryan Tannehill there over Deshaun Watson uh, for this particular week there, Colin. Okay, that wraps it up for the show. I hope you guys all enjoyed it. Remember, we will be back tomorrow from 12 to 1.30 on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network on your Android app or WWSRN on iOS. Make sure to check us out on Belly Up Fantasy Sports at Belly Up Fantasy on Twitter and on Facebook. Make sure to check out those rankings, bellyupfantasysports.com. Go to the weekly rankings. They'll be up to date for you guys throughout the weekend. Follow us on social media at Belly Up MDFF Show for those player news notifications on Twitter. Hit us up there for all your comments, concerns, rants, whatever you want from a fantasy standpoint. We will comment back. We might even put you on the mailbag show tomorrow. Everybody enjoy the Thursday night game. Good luck to you guys. We'll see you tomorrow and be on our way to our championship runs. 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.